0: If I have another approach where I say, I want to understand what you're looking for as a VC. And I want to understand what the your needs are and whether we are a good fit. We are, we are, our company help you to do what you're trying to do. Now they're not all trying, and you could say, well, yeah, everyone they just want to make money. Yeah, but they want to make money in lots of different ways. It's not all cookie cutter, exactly the same. They're all nuanced and they're all different. But if we sort of Mm-hmm. take the time to to try and understand them, understand their needs, understand what they're trying to achieve. Sometimes so we've done this before. After hearing that, we say we're not the company for you. We can't deliver that that you're looking for. So so mm-hmm. that's fine, and that's and we can actually save ourselves a lot, and you a lot of time because we won't even go any further because we can't deliver. Because <laughs> if we just got straight into the pitch, and then we got to the end and we said, oh well, there's no match there. What a waste of time that is. So we can differentiate ourselves um, through that conduct. We can just talk and say, what, what are you looking for? We're like, where are you at in your, in your fund cycle? Where, you know, and just seek from them to make sure that, that it's, it makes sense for us to even talk in the first place. And it's a positioning mm-hmm. thing as well. It's not saying we're desperate for money. We'll, we'll take money from whoever's got it. We're, we're saying we'll take, we'll do a deal that's mutually beneficial with the partners Mm -hmm. where it makes sense and where it doesn't make sense, which is probably the majority of the time, because let's face it, 100% of the VCs, we're not a good fit for 100%. We know that. We might be a good fit for 5%, right? Because of a whole range of reasons. That's what we try and do. we try and apply that listening, understanding before we get into pitching.
1: Hello and welcome to the Message Engineer Show. Uh, I am Maureen Schaefer, your host, and today I'm excited to introduce Peter Brains. Uh, Peter's the co-founder and CEO of Neutronics, uh, a medtech startup whose vision is a world with zero preventable deaths through personalized and timely molecular insights. Uh, Peter is a serial entrepreneur having founded and commercialized several cosmeceutical skincare brands that were distributed in more than 1,500 retail stores. Uh, one of his last ventures, BioCore, was successfully acquired in 2013. And Peter has a background in chemical engineering. So, welcome, Peter, to the Message Engineer podcast.
0: Thanks, Maureen. Great to be here. <laughs>
1: Uh, so the way we start this is, uh, we start with what I call the define the word warm up. And so I'll offer up a couple of words and I'm looking for your kind of response, reflection of what the word means to you. So are you ready? How
0: how short do you want the response? Is it,
1: it can be as short as, or as long as you'd like.
0: Oh, dangerous. Okay. (laughs) I'll try my best to keep it short, Maureen.
1: Uh, all right. First word, very unsurprisingly, message.
0: Message. Um, that that to me, uh, gee, it's broad. It's broad. It, uh, it's it's basically encapsulated by communication. Well, what is it that we as an entity want to communicate internally? What do we want to communicate externally? Um, and and that message starts day one when the company starts, not when we start selling our products. Um, so that's something that we're going to talk about, I assume, at some point in this uh, podcast. But, yeah, um, I'll leave it there because you've probably got others. That don't, I don't want to give you a half an hour response. But, yeah.
1: Short and sweet. Short and sweet for like the it. first one. I can't promise. Yeah. Another broad topic: uh, marketing.
0: Marketing. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, along the same vein as uh, as message, um, marketing starts day one. In my view, uh, we we that's how we've I've always um, run my businesses that way. Uh, it's you know, marketing is 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 how we get above the noise. And that's one of the biggest challenges for for a small company, is how do you how do you get above the noise? Um, so everyone in the company uh, does marketing to some degree. Um, it's not just the function of a marketing department. It's all of us do it um, to various degrees. So um, I'm sure we're going to unpack that one at some stage as well.
1: Yeah, I was going to give you a third one, but I think I want to. I have some more questions for you about that. Okay. Um, you said twice now that m- the communication of the message starts on day one and marketing starts on day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and why that's important?
0: Yep. Um, where, I mean, the, the, the traditional notion of of marketing is when you have a product or service and you need to get a customer and you then start thinking about marketing. Um, and that's absolutely true. That's, you, you do need to be marketing, um, but in my view, marketing doesn't start then, it starts when you start the company. Because right now we're not selling a product or a service, we're pre-revenue, we're developing a technology. But we are selling, we're selling shares in our company. That's one thing we're selling. So we have to, when we raise capital, from investors, um, that's what we're selling. We're selling a piece of the company for a future benefit. And that is, that's is, um, that's sales and marketing. That's it's, it's a different way of looking at it, but it's absolutely in my book, sales and marketing. So, and we are competing against other startups that are doing exactly the same. And for every one venture capital firm out there, there's I don't know the numbers, but there's there's got to be dozens and dozens of startups look knocking on the door, um, w- wanting to raise some some capital, and we need to stand out. And the way we stand out is that we have a strategic, coordinated approach to to um, getting in front of of these VCs, getting known by the VCs, and instead of us always chasing the VCs. Getting to a point where we have the, the the tide turns and they know us well enough that they start knocking on our door, and that's that's a that's a totally different ballgame from when we knock on their door. Um, so that's just one example, and that's what I mean uh, using us as an example of why you know early marketing and. Um, um, and getting the message right from, from an early stage is really critical. Because if we do that too late, um, then, then you're in trouble, in my, in my view. And I think a lot of companies fall into that trap. Um, the other thing I just mentioned as well is, our customers, we, we deal with them now. So I just got back from Europe, a three three week trip with, my, with our uh, chief medical officer. Um, and we're talking to, to, to many hospitals, in Europe. And, and we're going to be out, we do, we've just recently done the same in, in the U S as well. Um, and we're, we're getting, known. we're getting our message out there and we're getting known four years out from when this product will be ready to buy. Now, that might seem like, gee, that's a very, that's, that's a long, you know, there's a long lead time there, but we need to get key opinion leaders on board from these hospitals. We need to do trials with them where they're using the product and understanding it. And so it's it's like a staircase. That's that's it. We, we we take one step at a time so that when the in four years time when the product is ready to be for for us to sell that product to them, we're known, we're trusted, we're partners, and it's an easy transition into a sale. So that that's just in terms of your first two questions around message and um and marketing that's the approach we take to do it early and often and not leave it to the end. Cause I know a lot of companies do that, but it's to, to their peril.
1: I think you and I are very aligned in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm completely aligned with, you have to know what it is from the beginning in order to do the, develop the right product and pull in the right people to help and do the right clinical studies and, Right. Like you said, this kind of stuff. I love that you talk about this idea of the stair step approach mm. to the end so that you're known like, you know, they would say, like, no, like and trust. Right. You said no and trust that you're known and trusted by the time you come to market. It's not. Hey, I haven't heard of you before. And I think that particularly in the medical device space and with physicians and hospitals and that they not a fan of surprises. You're uh,
0: <laughs> exactly right. And look, that that's, it's a nuanced approach. If you, let's say, if you've got a product that is um, a, you know, a, a bit, slightly 10% better than the incumbent, maybe you don't need to go to that extent. You don't need four years out to be, you know, developing those relationships and getting the message right, because it's a, it's a known quantity and you're a bit better, or, you know, if that's the case, um, that's not the case for us. And you're exactly right. Medical devices, and especially our technology, um, this is this is a, a, a radical improvement, not a not a, a small improvement. It's a huge improvement, um, and that necessitates bringing the key people on, the influencers, the innovators, the early adopters, those people early in the journey, so that they can get comfortable, that they can they can they can trust us because they work with us because they use the product you know, research use only uh, 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 capacity. And, and we can take them on that journey. So it depends on what type of product you've got. But for for our product, this is absolutely necessary and required.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that make that makes a lot of sense. So I've got a couple of questions. Uh, and I'm wondering which one to start with first. So when you think about starting from the beginning, right? And in 2018, I think uh, the, you founded, you and your yeah. co-founder. Yeah, early 20, is like
0: late yeah. 2017, early 2018, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, uh, so f- four or five years ago. Yeah. And when you think about starting then uh, and then raising your first funding round of, I think it was six million approximately, and then September 2022
0: 14 million that's right yeah we well early on um we we got a grant that, that was our first major funding round um it was about a uh, two two 2.2 million dollar grant that that was that was amazing that was when it was literally Hitesh my co-founder and myself um and so to be able to to get that was made made all the difference to us um and it's been a bit of a snowball. It's like most things; it's not just one thing that that makes you know that, that makes a company. It's a lot of little things that that um, add on. It's all additive, and one begets another, begets another, and it's like that snowball effect. So we got that grant because of the grant. Um, that was a validation for a VC that we've been talking to. They came on board, um, and then it just sort of snowballed from there. And, and you're right; the recent round we did. Um, which is $14 million round uh, led by Dexcom. Um, so for, for the viewers who might not know, they're a $40 billion publicly listed company in the US that um, is a leader in continuous glucose monitoring. Um, so our tech uh, um, is, is is basically the, um, the next evolution of that technology where we can monitor any molecular target continuously and in real time, not just one, not just glucose, we can do proteins, hormones, metabolites, pretty much any molecular target. So we can go into this blue ocean territory where where no other technology can go. So it was a it's a really good association with them. And um, yeah, now we're we're moving to our next round next year, which will be about a fifty mil round um, to go to the next phase again.
1: Do you did you find that your the message evolved along along the pathway along that funding pathway and if so how so and
0: it, um, absolutely yeah it does it does because the further down the path you go the more you understand the business the more you understand the problem and the solution and it's surprising because you think you know a year in you're really going to understand it you and you evolve we all evolve and yeah there's never a destination with that you're always evolving and in a year's time we will have evolved again and we should evolve again that's if we're not that's a problem um so when when i sit down with my team we do, we do our pitch deck for example we're always updating that and we're come and sometimes radically so when we used to look at the problem we used to express it in a way that was quite simplistic um, and, and put a lot of cognitive load on the on the recipient to understand what we're talking about, and sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. And people don't always say, "Oh, I don't understand what you're talking about," because they think they should, so they just go, uh, "Yeah, I think I understand, but I don't, but maybe I don't really." Um, and recently, we made a, 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 a major change to that in how we explain the problem that we're tackling. Um, And that's an example of just how we've evolved in our thinking and how we articulate, um, the message. Um, and and the problem is really important because if people aren't understanding the problem, then the rest of it doesn't matter. So, so absolutely it does. And we're constantly evolving that. And even today, a lot of today, uh, this is morning Melbourne time for me right now. And, um, I'll be spending a few hours today on our updating our deck and getting that right and evolving the message again. So yeah, it's constantly changing and being
1: any any insights from as you've moved from kind of your first deck to subsequent decks, you know, in that evolution of the message. You think that's just a natural evolution? Or are there some things that you look back and say, hey, I wish I had really thought through x y or z or we had thought through certain things
0: yeah um yeah like the last about a a, was it two years ago when we did it we did a price round about two years ago Um, and and with a medtech company in the early days it's tough to raise capital because it's a it's a long road, MedTech, and you've got to get um, you know clinical data and if you're pre-clinical data, it's always challenging and risky and all the rest of it. Anyway, so we, we um we did about I reckon 75 pitches. And that was to raise, I think six million dollars at the time. So we really did it. That's a lot of pitches. <laughs> when you do <laughs> <it's> a <laughs> lot of pitches, right? And um uh and that's what you need to do, right? The, Anyone, if there's any entrepreneurs out there, one of the best bits of advice I can give is um, don't have a list of 10, have a list of a hundred that you're going to talk to um, because that's probably what it's going to take, especially in the market we're in now. We're in a a depressed market. Um, You're going to have to work. That's what you're going to have to do. And that's just what we all sign up for. Um, So, so yeah, so talking to that many investors, you learn a lot. You get you, you learn the questions they ask. you learn what hits, what doesn't. You can see by whether they lean in their body language and they're interested in the bits and the bits where they where they're not, they're glazing, their eyes glazing. you have to be really good at picking up all those cues. And after a while you start to go, that always hits. There's a certain message I give there that always hits. Keep that, or double down on that, or well, that one—it's just not hitting, you know. And and why is it not hitting? What's the problem? And then you have some friendlies, like our, our, we have VCs that are invest that are already on our cap table, and we we mm-hmm. bounce ideas off them. We say we're, we're seeing that that's not really hitting. Like, did that when we spoke to you? What did did you did that make sense, or did that not make sense, or what do you think? And you're going to get lots of different um, responses, it? We all wish. That, they all said the same thing. Cause then you go, okay, I'm fully confident. That's right. It doesn't happen that way. So that'd be too easy. That'd be too easy. Right. And sometimes you get absolutely conflicting information. You go, boy, that, that doesn't help because you know, who's right. One's right. One's wrong. And I don't know which one. Um, so you got to trust your judgment, at, you know, at some point um, as you go along. Uh, but yeah, you yeah, just doing volume a lot of pitches spending time on it um, like before this trip to to europe where we saw a lot of a number of vcs and we spent a lot of hours refining refining the pitch because investors see so many we have to stand out and we have to just get to that core and it just takes time this does you can't it's not one and done it's continually refining and improving and improving Because sometimes you get one chance, you're in front of an investor, a big investor, right? And some of these have, you know, funds that are five, six, $7 billion funds. And you get in front of them finally, because it's not easy. You you get one chance and you got to nail it. And you really got to be on, you got to be switched on, you got to get the message right, you got to deliver spot on. And that just, that is built up over dozens of hours where you've just been working on the message, working on how to tell that story that's where you can't it's not about performance you've got to perform but you've got to have the collateral that also that you've really workshopped and you can deliver that really powerfully and and get that message across so it just takes time and it just takes effort and there's there's just no two ways around it um but that, that's what we found and uh yeah and so far we've got the result but we never rest on our laurels we, we're always on to the next thing and um always increasing the bar to to go to the next the next level
1: uh that's that's great advice um to kind of do the volume and listen and in particular you were talking about this idea of watching the nonverbal cues yeah uh yeah which is something i do a lot of but uh i find a lot of other people listen to words you know yeah like they prioritize words over None for a block use. Yeah.
0: And that's a great <laughs> so. that's a great point, Maureen. It's um is that's a really great point actually, knowing your audience. Because you can't be cookie cutter. You can't say, I deliver it in a certain way, and everyone's gonna bend to me, because that's not reality. We have to we have to do as much homework on who we're who we're going to be um, talking to uh, as best you can. And then in the moment, we have to be able to adjust and adapt. You know, we, we, adaptability is we all know in life is critically important. So in the moment, if 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 something's not quite hitting, we have to be able to identify what it is as best we can in our delivery. The, so the content's going to be set. You're not going to change your content radically in a presentation. Um, you, you you can focus a bit more on certain things, but the delivery can definitely change. So if someone's more auditory, if you they're not looking at what you're delivering, but they're listening, you can tell if they use words like, um, you know, uh, uh, I hear what you're saying, there's some cues or they, or someone says, I see what you're saying. You know, there, there's some cues where they're are they auditory or are they um, more visual or kinesthetic or whatever. So you have to be able to adapt to that. And that's just, And, you know, the best way to do that is just to do truckloads of, of these. That's it. Sometimes that's, that's it. You just do a whole lot. And by doing so many, you just learn and you just, and in the early ones, you stuff up a lot because you you haven't got it right. And eventually you just, you you start to hit your mark, you know, and then that builds confidence. That confidence comes through because you, you just exude this confidence that you've done this before. You know what you're talking about. You've got a great... Great story to tell. So it did a lot of things build upon each other. Um, mm-hmm. It's not binary. It's not one thing. It's it's, it's many things. So, yeah.
1: Very multifactorial how you move it forward and continue to evolve it. It and, is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Adapt based on the different audiences. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, right? The content stays the same, but what you say or how you respond to it or how you bring certain things to the fore during those conversations, based on what people are engaging with. Yeah, it's very much of a more of a. I think of it more as like a sales skill, right? To know yeah. how people are receiving.
0: Yeah, you know, um, it,
1: it, I, I kind of see it as a people skill. It's a, it's a. Mm. Skill
0: because we we kind of sometimes talk about sales, like like. But the, the the skills in there are certainly s- uh, sales specific skills, but more important, that's based on a foundation of people skills. Like how how do we how do we develop our relationships as people? Whether it's professional, private, um, those skills are actually, in my view, they're the same. The ability to to listen to someone to empathize with someone, to understand where they're coming from. Whether it's private or, or professional, they're the same skills. You know, I don't think you, you turn it on and turn it off when you're at work or when you're at home. That's just who you are as an individual and the skills that you developed about communication. And so I think a lot of a lot of sales is just people skills and being able to, to you know, understand give someone space to to talk and to and to listen it's like very few people feel listened to like the, everyone a lot of people want to want to get a message out but when you get a lot of people wanting to get a message out you got a lot of uh people talking and not a lot of people listening i think i sometimes think just just if that's all we did was just listen and, and and actually fed back what we heard so they knew that we were listening Boy, that goes a long way. And, and so, you know, we try, we try as much as best we can. And we're not, I'm not great at it, but I try as best I can try and focus on that to, to listen to a VC or a supplier or a staff member or one of my kids or, or whoever it is. Yeah. Cause it's all, it's the same, same skills, um, yeah, and, and I just think sometimes they're, they're the they're the fundamentals that, you know, a great salesperson is someone that can do that stuff really well.
1: It makes a lot of sense that uh, it's very relational. There are people skills, there's something that you need kind of re- outside of just sales, right? Yeah. Sitting in a meeting, getting people to work together, listening to other people, empathizing, as you mentioned. Uh, I think sometimes that is i have seen it in situations where people think oh it's about the pitch deck what's wrong with my pitch deck yeah (laughs) sometimes that's you know there's more there's more as you said there's much more to that than just the slides in front of you know in front of people to whom you're pitching so i think that's a really critical thing to think about are you listening are you really hearing them are you adapting to what they need
0: yeah and and vcs if we're talking to VCs, um, and all I all I have in my head is how much money can we get from this VC? Because we have a need as a company to raise capital, right? So in in respect, it's really right? I, I and if that's my framework that I go in with, then that will be communicated in some way, indirectly. That that'll be communicated that I am. I, I am caring about myself and the company and I need to do that that's I'm not saying that's not important but that's one approach right if I have another approach where I say I want to understand what you're looking for as a VC and I want to understand what the your needs are and whether we are a good fit we are we are our company will help you to do what you're trying to do now they're not all trying and you could say, well yeah everyone they just want to make money. Yeah, but they want to make money in lots of different ways. It's not all cookie cutter, exactly the same. They're all nuanced and they're all different. But if we sort of mm-hmm. to take the time to to try and understand them, understand their needs, understand what they're trying to achieve. Sometimes and we've done this before. After hearing that we say, we're not the company for you. We can't deliver that, that you're looking for. So, so mm-hmm. that's fine. And that's, and we can actually save ourselves a lot, and you, a lot of time because we won't even go any further. Because we can't deliver, because if we just got straight into the pitch and then we got to the end and we said, oh, well, there's no match there. What a waste of time that is. So we can differentiate ourselves um, through that conduct. We can just talk and say, well, what are you looking for? We're like, where are you at in your, in your fun cycle? Where, you know, and just seek from them to make sure that, that it's, it makes sense for us to even talk in the first place. And it's a positioning mm-hmm. thing as well. It's not saying we're desperate for money. We'll take money from whoever's got it. We're saying we'll take, we'll do a deal that's mutually beneficial with the partners mm-hmm. where it makes sense and where it doesn't make sense, which is probably the majority of the time, because let's face it, 100% of the VCs, we're not a good fit for 100%. We know that. We might be a good fit for 5%, right? Because of a whole range of reasons. We, that's what we try and do. We try and ap- apply that listening, understanding before we get into pitching.
1: That makes a tremendous amount of sense. And I think of it more, I don't know, it makes me think a little bit of, I, I tend to relay certain types of marketing messages to dating. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. you don't you don't propose marriage on the first date. Yeah. Like, don't do that in your marketing, yeah. like messaging. Yeah. Like, I, I parallels in
0: any relationship. These are just fundamental relationship skills, people skills, communication skills. Mm-hmm. And it's a remarkable how how similar they are. And I reckon the dating is exactly the right, a great analogy. Yeah. And if you went into a, if you had a date and it was all like, this is my needs, me, 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 me. Well, I mean, like, you know, I think throughout our lives we've all had, you met people that, on dates, whatever, right. That, right? We've all had that experience. You're not going, wow, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Someone who's really self-absorbed and just, you know, <laughs> that, that's not, that's not high on the list of priorities, but someone who does the opposite and says, oh, tell me about yourself. What, what, you know, what, what motivates you? What do you love? What do you, you know, that's, oh, wow, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's some, that's different. That's, that's unique. That's, that's attractive. And so. Not, not that you know when we speak to VCs, it's like dating. But there's, there's, there's elements. Of,
1: right. Yeah. Right. But that, yeah. But that, uh, I always talk about like you want to hook them first to get them to slow down, like listen, and then you can educate them about what you have. Yeah. And then kind of close. Yeah. Be discerning
0: uh, about about who you associate with, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's an, yeah. That's really fascinating because a lot of people, like, as I said before, are like, can you go through my pitch deck? Can you give me some advice on my pitch deck? Can you? Right. But it's a much, there's much more to learn than do you have the right slides in the deck?
0: Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> do that, correctly. The other thing is that um, it's not, a, it's not, it shouldn't be transactional. And that might seem counterintuitive. Kind of but you don't do a deal with a VC and say "see you later, thank you very much." You are you are going back to the dating kind of analogy. You 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 maybe not married, but you you kind of you're you partnering to, to some. Mm-hmm. And the best relation, the best VCs, the best VC company relationships are the ones that are built on that um, mutual uh, respect, understanding. Um, right from the get-go, there's there's a bond there yeah. that I actually like you and I want to deal with you and I like your company. Mm-hmm. Like the, the situation where um, I'm kind of ambivalent to you, I don't really like you, but I love your company, let's invest. I don't think that's probably more unlikely, to be honest, and that's probably a mm-hmm. not for success because you're going to be dealing with people, individuals. You're going to be giving advice. They need to know that I am receptive. I'm not a sort of person that's gonna go, yeah, uh, you know, I don't wanna to listen to you, I have got my blinkers on, I'm just gonna go down right. this path, uh, regardless of what you tell me. They wanna know that I am gonna absorb their message, I'm gonna be open and listen to them. And it doesn't mean I'm guaranteeing I'm gonna do whatever they tell me, but I'm going to give it due consideration and that's what they really want us to do. Um, we're going to demonstrate that early that we are people, individuals that are open to doing that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's yeah, it, it, there is this is a long term relationship, and for the for the, the life of the company and until there's an exit or whatever, um, we're going to be pretty close. And and we have to like them, and they have to like us. It's a lot like dating. <laughs> it's a, it's a, <laughs> the more I talk, the more.
1: I... I ch- yeah. I tend to use that analogy only because it lightens things up a bit and people can relate to it. And it's a little bit easier than saying you're doing the wrong thing, or <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So There's
0: absolutely a lot of truth to that, to that analogy. Yeah.
1: So I, yeah, I love the approach that this is a re- relationship and a partnership. And are these the right people? Are we the right people for them? Is this a good fit now? Maybe if not now it could be right yeah. down the road. Um, based on where they are in their fund and yeah <laughs> right when they're raising their next fund and what they're looking for at, yeah at that point in time yeah. so. and,
0: and manage expectations actually going back to the dating because because it, actually the more I think about it, the more parallels you might date I don't know 20 people before there's the one person that you think yeah I could I could have a relationship with that person or spend the rest of my life with that mm-hmm. person or whatever it's a bit like what we do, like there's probably five percent of investors that where mm-hmm. we think there is a good fit. Even because you, you meet so many. That if we thought everyone's a good fit, then 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 that's just gonna come across as more desperate, using the data analogy again. But um, but yeah, it's 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 not it's just not reality that we're we're not a good fit and they're not a good fit in the majority of the cases but there's probably Mm -hmm. a small subsection where it's a really good fit. And what we do is we scan for that because we find them, they find us. And, and you know, 99% of problems are created when that, that hasn't had that discerning uh, relationship from the get go. it, It was, it was more around convenience or something else that got that deal done, but it wasn't right. Um, and, but you pay for it later on in some formal fashion. So, um, yeah,
1: I think that I, again, to go back to that idea that you brought up of kind of partnering and getting the relationship right from the get-go and in particular, asking them, like what they're, one of the things you said was, you know, we asked them what their needs are, what they're looking for. Right. Which is <laughs> you, you have to know that. Right. And, that's a start of building a longer term relationship. Not telling them what they need.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it seems obvious.
1: Right? Or assuming yeah. what they need.
0: Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. So
0: it seems obvious, but I don't know. In my experience, I think it, I think it doesn't happen that often. We we just get into these zones where I'm walking into a meeting and I and I want to raise some money. And you just get self-obsessed. See, I, I I get it. It's easy to just to think like that. I, I need to do. I've got this problem. I need to raise this capital, and you're my way of doing it. And let's now let's talk and let me tell you about all the wonderful things. And it it doesn't work. It's 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 just because because we're not satisfying their needs. We don't even we're not even taking the time to care enough to ask them. So. So that little tweak, and that's not, you maybe said that, you know, someone said, can you fix my deck? That's not in your deck. The first thing in your deck is, so what are your needs? You you don't need to write it on a deck. Um, You need to, to empathize with them and connect with them and ask them and, 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 and understand that's not a deck thing. That's just a human relationship thing. So, um, it's really, really important. It's uh, it's one of those things that's easy, easily just oh yeah, I'll do that. Oh, yeah, and then but oh, let's get back to the deck. No, don't get back to the deck. Get that right. Get that right because that's going to take you further. I would rather a crappy deck, and and have it have a, the ability to connect with an individual. I much prefer that than than mm-hmm. the best deck in the world. But I can't connect with you because I'm just so self-absorbed that that. I'm just never going to be able to form a relationship quickly, especially quickly. So, yeah, but we just don't talk about that a lot for some reason. I'm glad we are. And I think this is a great forum because you're talking about marketing and messaging. And in my view, this is just so important that it needs to be talked about more. Um, and I think there'll be a lot more success that entrepreneurs would have. And this isn't just capital raising. This is, um, you know, the, the, the connection with with the customers the early connection, it's exactly the same it's exactly the same it we the, the approach does not change um with anything with internally with with staff how do we how do we build relationships with our staff um you know those sorts of things we this is this is a model that we can we should be talking about more i think in my view
1: yeah, I I think it's it's brilliant that you brought it up. And I think it is it's kind of like step one, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, have your pitch deck, yes, practice it, yes, be you know, develop that confidence over multiple, you know, a hundred, seventy-five to hundred, and know that you're only gonna get five percent. But start with kind of what are you looking for? What are we looking for? I've I've seen it play out and I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've certainly seen it play out where people get money and then there's there come friction comes later (laughs) from the investors uh, for a variety of reasons right yeah um and i'm wondering if you think some of that kind of future thinking could be avoided by doing like this right up front asking what they're looking for and developing this kind of assessment of needs and
0: relationship building um uh, not all of not all of it no no <laughs> we'll you know, it's got my mind uh uh picking here but um uh because there's, there's an analogy here right there's a, there's a we keep going back to the personal relationship um sort of analogy but uh so so my answer to that one is uh to some degree to some degree. We, we, we can mitigate problems to some degree, but we can't eliminate it. And if we could eliminate it, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a wonderful world where we could have absolutely certainty that the person that uh, we're, we're going to marry or we're going to, um, uh, you know, in a business uh, relationship, it was going to be all fine and rosy. But, but we all know that's not life. Um, mm-hmm. So you can know someone to a degree um but 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 also you, you don't can't know them fully and you can't know how that responds in every circumstance um and if that was the case you know there would never be any uh divorces and you know because we'd all we'd all make sure that the person we're going to marry is perfect and um you know and we just don't know that right so 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 yeah i i think we can do a lot better than probably what we do as a general rule i'm talking back business relationship here um, where we, we understand whether there's a fit or not. Probably 80, I don't know, right. 80% eighty of the problems can be avoided by bringing in the right partner, be, being discerning and, and understanding what they're looking for and understanding what we're looking for and making sure if there's a really good fit there. Um, but that's, there's certainly no guarantee moving forward that, you know, that's just not life. Uh, life is full of twists and turns and things you never expected.
1: Infinitely variable, right? So, and
0: that's look, and probably we wouldn't want it any other way, right? Life would be boring if it was pretty mm-hmm. cool and certain. That would, and in fact, it'd be boring. The uncertainty mm-hmm. gives it spice, and um, it's difficult at times, but it's probably that's the juice of life to some degree is that we we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow.
1: That is true. Mm-hmm. Some people like that more than others. True. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I, If you're gonna, anyone is thinking about being an entrepreneur. If there's one thing you want to be uh, good at, that is uncertainty. your, that's that's, that's that's what you're getting yourself into. It's it's a world of there is a, as much as we try and control and plan and do all the things that we 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 do. Uh, there is it is an uncertain um, uncertain game we play. And it, and you have to be comfortable with uncertainty. You have to be. If you need everything to be regimented and planned, and and then you're probably gonna you're gonna be challenging yourself. Maybe it's a good thing actually. Maybe it's what you need. You probably need <laughs> to have, <laughs> uh, you know, a bit a, a lot of uncertainty to get over that. But yeah, it, uncertainty is is what we what we do day in day out.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh I had some other questions one of, one of the things I wanted to ask you was in doing the research you know the background for uh for us to be talking today uh one of the things I noticed was a lot of there's a lot of different language out there and I'm what you know so for example uh next CGM right next continuous glucose monitor I saw that or at the done real time and continuous uh lab in a chip and platform, kind of medical device and biotech and diagnostic, and also like molecular monitoring and DNA technology. Can can you help kind of sort that a little bit yeah. and say, are you using all of that kind of like messaging language now? Did you start with some and did it morph or evolve and how?
0: That that is a really great question. Um it's a great question because it's very topical and it's something that companies have to um, have to think about and get right. And it's not easy. It's not easy because what happens is that um, language evolves within an organization organically. So some people will call, our, our sensor is DNA, it's a DNA sensor, right? But the DNA mm-hmm. is called an aptamer. So some people call it aptamer. Some we're calling it DNA sensor some were calling it a biosensor, some were calling it some other name, right? And before long, we were we were just confusing people who were new because they would go, "Hey, on, what's the difference between an aptamer and a DNA sensor?" Well, it's actually the same thing. Well, why don't you call it the same thing? So um, what we've done, and this is probably in the last six months, is, and this is all around that refining of the message, We've, mm-hmm. We we would literally write out what are all the terms we use for our sensor, what are all the terms we use for our patch. So the patch is it a patch? Is it a medical device? Is it um, a, a, a lab on a patch? Is a is it you know we would have ten terms right, different terms. Wearable,
1: I've seen wearable. Is it, wearable?
0: <laughs> is it a diagnostic? Is a you know it goes on and on and on. So you could understand mm-hmm. someone new who's listening to all of this would go what they're like it's it's confusing me and and so that's our job is to make it um is to pick the right term that's accurate that describes it accurately that's also sticky that people understand and not and sometimes mm. technically there's certain words technically that's more accurate but that's not mm. the criteria what is technically more accurate it's understanding what what helps people understand right it might not be technically as accurate as a four letter word that describes that better, but that's confusing, mm-hmm. no one's gonna remember that. So some you have to play this dance where, where some things are more accurate, but some things are stickier and some things are easier to understand. And you're trying to find that, that, that middle ground that's most effective. Um, and so we've, that's what we've done a lot of just recently, in fact. Um, and and so we, and also about uh, slogans. slogans slogans actually are actually quite important so we have two slogans um, lab on a patch because mm-hmm. that that's what our, our technology is so we replace the blood draw the delivery of the sample to the lab and the lab analysis so if you think about mm-hmm. the lab in a hospital and you think about all the infrastructure that goes in there And when you take a blood draw and it goes there and it goes into a big machine and it gets processed and then one data point comes out several hours later, we replace all that on a patch, which is kind of remarkable when you really think about it. Mm -mm. A little patch like that size replaces this massive big machine and all the infrastructure. And instead of one data point, we give continuous and real time data. So think about when you, last time you you had a blood draw And and maybe the next day you got a a report that says, "Here's all these molecular targets, Mm -hmm. and were they in range?" And you know, so imagine that. um, And you don't get that one data point; you get continuous data, which is important when those targets change radically. Mm -hmm. Because one data point, where is it in 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 the on the trend? You you've got no idea. And we do it all on a patch. So, so how do we describe that? So, so we came up with a lab on a patch because it, it, it it's a visual representation. I think of a lab and I think of it on a patch and effectively that's what it is. So that's one slogan, lab on a patch. Another one is um, a patch for every patient because that's where we're heading. Because on one patch, we can put 20 sensors. We can actually put more than 20 sensors. We're limited by the geography so we have these tiny little micro needles on the patch mm-hmm. and on the end of each of those microneedles we put our sensor and each one is a different sensor so 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 um so we can so we're going after like therapeutic drug monitoring acute kidney injury sepsis cardiovascular disease so some of the biggest disease states in the world we can have a major impact and that's on the one patch so no matter when someone comes in the hospital, no matter where their journey is through that hospital or outside the hospital, remote patient monitoring, we have clinical utility. So whether they're getting a dose of drug, whether they're having um, they're, there's risk of uh, acute kidney injury or whatever it is, and that's why we think that this product warrants a pack for every patient because and we can pull out billions of dollars of inefficiency out of the hospital system because you think of what we're replacing. So, so we talk, so that's another slogan, a patch for every patient. Um, and so the, 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 when we look at the words we use, um, uh, and the slogans we use, we do it so that someone who's brand spanking new to this can quickly understand what we're talking about, whether it's the technology, the utility, or the vision of where we're taking it.
1: That's yeah, that's brilliant. I love lab on a patch. Is it lab on a patch or lab in a patch? Lab on a patch. Lab on a patch. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all know what the labs look like, right? And when I think of patch, I think of nicotine patches, right? Like, what do I see when I go right to the drugstore? Yeah. Lots of nicotine patches. Yeah. So we all know that's pretty innocuous, all things considered. And so it also gets to that idea of less invasive and simple and doesn't hurt usually it's usually when you rip it off that it hurts not when you put it on exactly i'm not saying your device like band-aids or anything else that you're going to adhere to yourself yeah um from that perspective so i love that you've distilled that down to that yeah and that it's i think one one question i had there was that a lot of times companies are founded by more technical founders and so for example you come you know way back from a chemical engineering background i i've found myself navigating that like that when i've come up with something that makes a lot of sense and i was able to kind of move it through but i did get a lot of pushback from that's not really that's not accurate technically
0: yeah
1: and i'm like it's it's not accurate it's almost more accurate yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i was wondering if you know, we've all we've all been there. I'm wondering if you have any, you know, what your insights are around navigating that conversation.
0: Um, yeah, well, it may be more accurate, but is it more effective? Well, what are we trying to achieve? Are we trying to be seen as, um, you know, the words we use are, are, are you know, super accurate, but are so confusing that going back to full circle to your first question, does the message get lost? Because that's what we're trying to do here. We are trying to get a message um, through to an audience. And the audience could be novice or they could be experts. And Mm -hmm. we we don't want to have to radically change our language um, depending upon who it is. We're trying to come up with this, trying to make something complex simple. And we're trying to get to the heart of the matter because it's so easy to talk about when someone doesn't know their subject, what, what you see is they talk about everything because they don't know what's important, right? They go, ah, oh, let me tell you. And then blah, 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 blah. And they talk about so many different I've things. have
1: never seen that. Never, never seen that. that. We've
0: ne- <laughs> no one has ever And And before you know it, the person's just like, oh my God, like I'm, you've, you've just told me a thousand things. I don't. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what's important, how how am I supposed to know what's important? We all live complex lives. We all got so much information. We have to be able to distill messages down to the things that matter. That's our job. And if we're if we're technical, if the founders are technical people, get really really good at either either telling a story or find people that can. Because if you Mm -hmm. don't do that. And you can't get your message through to whoever your audience is, investors, potential customers, partners. If you can't do that, boy, you've got a struggle on your hand, right? Because you're you're asking your audience to do it for you. And that's probably not gonna happen. That's probably not gonna happen. That is your job. We have to be good at doing at telling a story and not any story, but a story, the story that matters. They, and that just takes time. It really does. It takes effort, and we have to focus on it. and it's not aI'll get to it when I when I do all these other things and I'll never, that, that hardly ever happens It has to be an important priority. Um, and then you have to tell that story over and over and over again. That's has to be repetition as well. It's hard. It's not easy because if it was easy, everyone would do it. And we know that's not the case, right? And we think about people like Steve Jobs. What were they brilliant at? What was he brilliant at? He could tell a complex story really powerfully and distill it down to its most basic, understandable parts. He was brilliant at that. That was probably one of his greatest strengths. Above and beyond his entrepreneurial vision and all the rest of it, his ability to stand there and talk to an audience and captivate them and get them to understand the message and communicate with them in the way that that was receptive, was brilliant. That was brilliant. When I think about him, I think about when he's on the stage and, and he's got you know the simple message, you know, by the way, this is not three products. This is one product that does it all. Like talk about a great catchy slogan that people remember. I remember that from from years ago. In fact, i try and use some of, some of that language in, in formulating how we do it. Um, it, it. It was brilliant. It was simple and it was powerful. We have to be great at doing it, at telling that story. And we have to, it just, it just requires effort and energy and time. And we have to do, you just have to do that because if you don't do it, you can have gold and no one knows it's gold. They don't know it's gold because you haven't told them. They think it's a rock. So you, you've got to, you've got
1: <laughs> you haven't told them in a way that they, that they understand and that they get it and that they... You're in the noise. Yeah.
0: You're in the noise with everyone else. You're everyone talking to you, you're in that noise and you haven't stood out because you didn't tell the story in a way that, that that got the message across because you didn't put the enough time and energy into thinking that's important enough. But it is. It's really important.
1: Yeah, Crit- critically important, and I've seen a lot of people wait. I love the idea that you talked about day one. And you need to be thinking about it in sales and marketing. You need to be thinking about relationships around raising capital. You know, fundraising, uh, and that is kind of a, a partnership. And before the slide deck, it's <laughs> it's not all about this magical slide deck. Uh, and, uh, this idea that you really have to distill work and work and work to distill the message is something that is critically important and apparent, readily apparent. So it doesn't require 45 slides to explain it.
0: Yeah. And you, you're not putting the onus on, on your audience to do it for you. Cause that's, if you mm. don't do it, that's what you're doing. You're saying. I'm just going to give you a whole lot of information, and you figure out what's important. And then they're, <laughs> they're not going to do that. They'll go, "Ah, oh, that's really complex. Well done. Um, see you later." It, it, that's what you'll get. So, yeah. so and it's just yeah. It's it's really like I said. It's not easy, but um, it, it it's a skill that if a founder's got that skill, it's a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage because yeah, because as a founder, as a I'm, I'm a co-founder with it, with my with Itesh, we represent the company, and and so if I couldn't do that, um, and I was abdicating that to to someone in my marketing you know, PR department, or um, mm-hmm. does a VC want to hear from a marketing associate? No, they don't. They want to hear from the founder. They want to develop a relationship with me and Itesh. That's who they want to develop mm-hmm. a relationship with. I have to be able to tell that story. I have to be able to do that. So even though before I said, you better find someone that can, they they can help you tell the story, but ultimately the founders are going to be the ones telling the story and they have to be able to do that and deliver it. And and they just have to do a, a truckload of them to get good at it.
1: That is, I think we'll, I think we'll kind of, segue to the last couple of questions we covered a lot of uh, great information and you gave a lot of um, great insights about starting at the beginning and adapting all the way through and really relationship focused focusing on during fundraising uh, and distillation from complexity to simplicity as it relates to message that everyone can can understand Uh, and i yeah, I just have to say it again. Like lab on a chip, a consumer could understand. Or lab on a patch. Lab on a patch. A consumer can understand, yeah. right? A healthcare consumer, a payer can understand, a physician can understand, the CEO of a hospital can understand. Yeah. It and certainly investors, right? It's it's very simple and very powerful. Yeah. So,
0: well, it actually, reminds me when you said that it reminds me of when, when we're... Formulating this, what we do is we say who who is sitting there uh, across the desk from us that we want to communicate to. We mm-hmm. so we have we have an imaginary person, and in the age of that imaginary person is fourteen. So we say they're fourteen. Wow. <laughs> so think of a fourteen-year-old that's sitting that you're trying to to get a message across to. How would you deliver that? Now, if we started talking about aptamers and, and DNA sequences and blah blah, 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 do we honestly believe a 14 year old is going, to got it? Yeah, I totally understand what you're talking about. I'm
1: interested and I get it. are right. like, my TikTok goes like this. Bam, yeah. bam, bam. So they're yeah, right, they're, they're right. not going to get it, right? Um, but
0: uh, if we say it's a lab and it's on a patch and there's a patch and so the lab's on that patch they're far more likely to understand that. And if we talk about a patch for every patient, there's an alliteration there, kind of rolls off the tongue as well. They're gonna understand that. And so that, that's the, so we go to that extent to say, so we keep bringing it, when someone comes up, cause we always bring it back to this simplicity, right? Or cause the tendency is always to go more complex. And we go, do you reckon a 14 year old would understand that? No, okay. Then let's 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 simplify and that's useful because we keep coming back 14 year old and you know newspapers newspapers are written we, we sort of took a cue off the way newspapers or, or, or journalists write they write for they don't write for a 35 year old executive that's a, you know, that's got
1: a you master's know, right, degree a yeah, PhD
0: They write for a, for typically a 14 year old at a 14 year old level because it's cognitively easy to understand it's harder for for us to write to, to, to write to, to for that level because we have to keep coming back and simplifying but that's our job to do that and if we can do that and do that effectively then the 35 year old or 40-year-old executive there we know they're going to get it and that's, that mm-hmm. and so and so we've done our job but if, but if we don't do that Cause it's harder. Well, we're going to pay the price. So that, that, so we always have in mind, we keep saying, is that would a 14 year old, understand that. We say that about a thousand times in a day, but because, (laughs) because that's, that's how we keep, keep on track.
1: Yeah. I, I love the idea of the 14 year old because I often hear a sixth grade level, right? For a sixth grade level 14, that teenager who's like glued to their phone, who's. Yeah. That's, that's a tough audience. I think that's a great, yep. great goal. Like, does it, would it, would it resonate with that group?
0: I, I sometimes, I, I have a three kids, uh, um, five, seven, and 10. And a 10-year-old's a boy.
1: I have a, I have a 12-year-old. Oh,
0: ah, so. well, they see you're close to the 14, right? So that that's handy. Because sometimes I say, I say to my 10-year-old, um i'll test test some test some things he loves it he doesn't and i might say uh so if i said boba what, what are you what does that mean i know that 10 is not the right age to, to picture that because because um yeah it, it, i can tell he's that doesn't he's not interested but but yeah i think 14 is about right um you would probably have a better idea 12 is getting closer to that but yeah.
1: Yeah. It, what's interesting, though, is that some of the things that I say, like, "Hey, when I say this, what do you think?" Because I do that with him, mm. and he comes up with something completely different really? than I was thinking. I was like, "Okay, no, yeah. <laughs> you gotta gotta go back on that one." Again. Yeah. So, it's good to. It's good. To- I used to always say it needs to resonate with, like, someone's you know eighty-year-old grandmother. Yeah. Or great grandmother. Yeah. I used to go to the other end, but I like the idea of a 14-year-old because the attention spans. And you talked about this idea of rising above the noise.
0: Yeah. There's
1: a lot of noise out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: There is. There is a huge amount of noise. It's one of the biggest challenges um, when it comes to messaging and marketing and communication um, is rising above that noise. But also understanding we don't need to rise above all the noise. We need to rise above a, a slither of the noise because we're not all things to all people. If you are, mm-hmm. probably you got a big job. Um, you know, we're, we're we are, <laughs> we're the world to some people is what we are, mm-hmm. and and that means we got to rise above the noise for those people, not for everyone. Because I sometimes hear, you know, we're going to brand, we're going to do branding, and like mass market branding, really? Like that's, uh, unless you've got a massive budget, that's gonna be a big ask, right? <laughs> Social media is not gonna do it for you. Um, so yeah, so we're more about be the world to a smaller group than, even though we have a platform that can go in, that can be really broad, we don't start really mm-hmm. broad, we start narrow and we and we sort of like uh, waves, we, we uh, go out from there.
1: Yeah, I don't think that can be overemphasized enough uh, because I've also run into it where a lot of founders say, no, 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 no you can't, you can't go after this. It's applicable to the whole world or some incredibly large number of people. And I'm like, that that may be true, but you need to pick a focus and r- really niche down so that you can prove that it's useful to that group of individuals yeah. <laughs> or for some reason and then you know, expand and expand yeah. and expand. Yeah. You, if you try to message everyone, you resonate with what I say is then you resonate with no, no one.
0: one. Uh, exactly. That's 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 the truest statement you could ever make. um I think of it like a wedge. You know, like start off, get the tip mm. of the wedge right. Get make get your first sale. Get someone buying your product. Be very very specific in that, and and that, that's what we do. So our first indication. I said we can do 20 different sensors on a patch. We start with one. We have one indication. And that's not, so that's that's vancomycin, this antibiotic. And that, that's used in all these different settings. We're not starting in all these different settings. We're starting in one setting in the ICU. That's where the need is greatest. Yeah. And, then, mm-hmm. and then within that, we even narrow it down further because we, we can do, the, the way we, we develop the product, we have what's called a method comparison. So we compare it to the incumbent. So so we even start even narrow again. So we're very, very strategically focused on the area where we have the greatest impact. Because it's it's undisputable our benefit there. And it's still it's still a decent market. And but then we can grow out and, and we will do that, but we certainly just don't, you know, shotgun it and go after everyone at the same time. And that would be a recipe for disaster.
1: So. I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. So, <laughs> I I think that's great. This has been this has been a great conversation. Uh, I think we could go on for another. At least I could keep it oh, going
0: on for I, hours. I really enjoyed it, Maureen. It um, yeah, has been really really interesting.
1: That's that's great, and I think you've you've brought forward a lot of things that will be really interesting to people. Um, about how they need to be thinking about messaging and fun, messaging and fundraising and people and distillation from complexity to simplicity, and we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, so, yeah, kind of two fun questions to end with. Uh, if you could travel anywhere in the world today, where would you go uh, and why?
0: Uh, that's a great question. Um, last week i was in rome remember i, I mentioned i just got back to mm-hmm. europe and mm-hmm. i i would go back there i, I would go back there. i said i, I said to, the, to our chief medical officer um i would love to take my kids like you know my wife and, and kids and, and show them mm-hmm. the roman forum the Colosseum. the the history is phenomenal like it's from australia we we, we have we have um uh, a different kind of history, ab- Aboriginal history, but you don't see that too often. Mm-hmm. you've got to go really remote parts and um, but just to see two thousand year old buildings everywhere, like all, all over the place, uh, I love um, you know stoic philosophy, you know the the, the mm-hmm. uh, marcus aurelius and and uh, what he's done and and it's just it's just fascinating. Um, so yeah, Rome.
1: There you go. Rome with your wife and kids. Yeah, that especially the kids. Sounds like a
0: yeah, especially the kids. Just to, for them to we get immersed in that, like to see that, mm-hmm. would be I think would be just a great experience for them.
1: Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. I never liked history until I went to Europe and was like, hold on, just a minute. Oh, it's, it's <laughs>
0: spectacular! Absolutely spectacular! Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: that's great yeah that's it. it's a shame you know after world war Two, where so many uh so many historic buildings were, were just demolished and it that, mm-hmm. that's i tell you well actually to answer your question better i would say pre pre-world war i'll go back and forth, pre-world war one to be to go around europe anywhere in europe would be remarkable to see it before before it was sort of half of it was flattened would be remarkable
1: mm-hmm. yeah Add a little time travel to it. Yeah, I like yeah it. I'm sure that's
0: possible. <laughs> At some point we've we'll got to do that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Uh, last question. Uh, what's one thing that most people don't know about you that you would like people to know? Mm. Or that you'd like to share?
0: You me. I don't know. Um, one thing, one thing. Boy, that that's a great. I I literally have stuff um, that I would want people to know about me. Uh, you know, the one thing maybe, and it's it's how we built this company is that we don't we don't optimize. It's not just all about profit. We're a commercial organization, and that's important. I never I'll never say it's not. It absolutely, is critical and important. Um, we do what we do because. Um, of two reasons number 1 um, we feel a, moral, a literally a moral imperative to get this technology into the market because we know every day there are hundreds of people that die because this isn't is this isn't in the market hundreds of people they are dying every day because we don't have this product in the market because clinicians simply don't have the tools to do their job properly as well as they could. They do the best they can. They do a wonderful job, but they just don't have the tools. Um, That is is a massive driver in this company. Um, Secondly, this is our legacy. So the people that that join us are people that absolutely resonate with that vision and and that moral imperative. And they want to look back on their lives and say that this period of their life they did something that was absolutely meaningful and was, was a was a very good thing for the world. And we helped a lot of people. Um, and, and that is our legacy that, that, that we are really proud of and that we, that we wanna leave behind. And we are proud to tell our families about what we do and that they, they're they proud as well. And they wanna contribute and help because it's a good thing that we're doing. It's a really necessary thing. And we, boy, we should be better at, at, at this. You know, in this day and age, that we have a healthcare system that is so reactive, that is um, that in a lot of ways it's just so poor, um, and we've got something that bona fide can make can move the needle in, in, in a serious way, save those lives. Um, what I want people to know is that's that's why we do what we do. Profit will come. We will make this. This will make obviously we're solving big problems here. And there will there will be significant you know uh, financial rewards that will come with it, because the problem' is so big. but but the juice, the thing that that gets us going that motivates us every single day, is that is that desire to to really have that impact in the world. and And when you have a group of people like that, you have you have great tech, and you have a group of people that just passionately believe in that vision that's where you get the magic that's where the magic happens and and that's what i want people to know that this is that's why we exist that's why we do what we do um and if you spoke to anyone in the organization they're going to tell you a version of that but it's going to be pretty similar because we all we this is how we recruit how we partner how we bring on vcs these are the questions we we speak to them about if they're not passionate about that then you're in 95 percent that's not right for us to go full circle on this conversation. So, um, yeah, so I hope people that's one thing I would like people to to know. Yeah,
1: that, that is, that is tremendous. I mean, that kind of why is really powerful for people and, uh, yeah, powerful reason to do the right things and move this forward and make it available. So, in a few years yes <laughs> it's, it's first clinical trials <laughs> as as we can yeah 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 absolutely so uh thank you so much for your time today really i really appreciate it really enjoyed it it's been... it's been fun yeah really i'm oh, sorry no i just
0: say uh, i really enjoyed it it's been a great con just time has flown um it's just been a natural <laughs> very uh relaxed
1: kind of conversation so it's been great yeah great so uh bye for now um message engineer like subscribe all that good stuff uh if you liked what you heard today thanks so much